Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. It is the post-game podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Michael Brooker. Carolina falls to NC State 79-76. We are, of course, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. Uh, make sure you patronize them. You can still get stuff for Christmas. Probably won't get to your house in time for Christmas, but certainly um, use some of that Christmas money you get to give Johnny T-Shirt some business. They certainly deserve it. And they are great sponsors of this podcast and do a, a great service to Inside Carolina Premium subscribers. And also take a chance to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube and, and also on that podcast to get it delivered to your home. Like I said in the open, 79-76, NC State beats North Carolina. Mike, uh, you know, I, we've talked a lot this year, all year really, about getting behind early is going to catch up and bite this North Carolina team in the rear. It has a couple times out of conference. Now it has over in Raleigh against NC State, your overall thought. I just think, obviously, like you said, it's just really difficult to continue to get down by by double digits every single game and have to claw back and really expend the energy um, that should be expended early to, to, to not get down 15. And just, I don't know, I think it just wears on everybody. Uh, it puts extra pressure on each possession, and it just makes it difficult to – to really get comfortable in a, in a rhythm offensively and you're just always having to claw back and claw back and claw back. And it's just, um, it's frustrating. It was frustrating to watch. And they, they did obviously make a, a huge push one. And next thing you know, you're back down 14 and you cut it back to, you know, two or three and it's just seesaw and it's just a, a roller coaster of emotions that I know the coaches are probably frustrated and fans are frustrated, but um, they show too many flashes of really good play to, to I think consistently be in, in such deep holes early. So obviously going to have to get that figured out ASAP if this season's going to be what they ultimately um, it can be and what they want it to be. Yeah, I think that's the biggest frustration um, for people watching. And I, I'm sure for the coaching staff, maybe even the players, is that they show flashes. And we'll talk about it as we get into this podcast. They show flashes of being very good on the defensive end. They show flashes of being able to be – really efficient offensively, but it's so overshadowed by the long stretches of just um, inactivity on offense and, you know, defense just olaying guys. I mean, NC State, the kid from Greensboro for NC State comes in, we mentioned him off air, comes in averaging, what, five points a game, has 15 out of the gate against North Carolina, comes in, fired up, ready to play. I mean, how do you, how do you constantly – Okay, so we're at what? Eight games in, nine games in. It's happened repeatedly for North Carolina. How does Roy Williams um, remotely address it? I'm sure he has, but I guess how do you change it at this point? Uh, that's a great question. That's the million-dollar question that everybody's obviously uh, trying to find the answer to, and no, no one more than Coach Williams. But I just think, obviously um, – Young guard play uh, that shows, obviously, like we talked about, flashes of being really, really good. And then, you know, tonight, um, 20 points between them, but, you know, eight for 28 and one for six from three. And then, you know, we talked about Leaky, you know, just 
needing more consistency offensively and more, you know, he's playing, he played 29 minutes and, you know, I don't know. It's just um, the bigs, you know, Baycott played really well for stretches. I think he had, I think he was seven for eight. He was a really solid, a force down there for a while and seven boards and Kessler with some blocks and some hustle plays and play, you know, so everybody is doing some really nice things. It's just, you know, turnovers, 18 turnovers, never could quite get to a rhythm with the, you know, dump offs or the offensive fouls by Brooks or, you know, whatever the case may be, it just never could quite turn the corner offensively to, to really put things together fully. So, you know, like I said, frustrating performance um, flashes, you know, I scored almost 80 points, but, um, and defensively never could quite string enough possessions when you really needed to have them uh, as they spread us out and got to the rim and got to the free throw line. Dewey Burke joins us. Dewey, what's going on, man? I know you've uh, these early starts are, are tough for you being um, a couple hours to the west of us, but you know, and we just got rolling here. But I want to ask you about the slow starts. Uh, I mean, we've talked about it multiple times, and we said it would get to Carolina eventually, and it did tonight. Um, give me your overall feedback uh, or thoughts on what you saw, and then I've got a couple of detailed questions I want to ask both of you guys. Okay. Yeah. You know, you, the problem with getting down so big early is you have to expend so much energy. And from about the five minute, you know, point left in the first half until we came all the way back and cut it to do, we played very well. Cut it to two, I should say. You know, it kind of started with a couple hustle plays by Walker and uh, Playtech made some nice plays at the end of the first half. We had some momentum, had cut it to seven, continued to, to shave into the lead as the second half started. And then it felt like it was it was right there, two to four for a number of minutes, and then we just kind of lost our stride. And all of a sudden, boom, it was 13. Um, we turned the ball over. We gave a couple open threes. Braxton barely hit the tough three, and all of a sudden it was back to double digits. And that's the difference. If you start better, you might have been up seven, eight, or nine to withstand a run like that versus going back down 13 again. So the amount of energy we're having to expend, you know, after it's only five minutes in the game, just to get back to single digits is, is very difficult to have to come back from every single night. Um, Tommy, we texted, you know, my ACC network didn't work, didn't, didn't adjust to the time change. So I missed the beginning of the game. I just saw what I saw on my phone, but um, you know, it's just going to have people clamoring more for changing the starting lineup. And I understand the argument, but, um, I don't understand why we keep starting so slow. And Coach even said, we're going to change our warm-ups a little bit, which I've never heard him say. I mean, we've done the same exact thing for 17 years. I don't recall him ever saying that. So he's, he's trying to find a reason for why these guys are starting slow. But obviously, it didn't work tonight. Dewey, let me stick with you and ask a question. I mean, a lot of people and social media is brutal and message boards are brutal. It's understandable. Um, but folks are wearing leaky out. I mean, just being honest, and everybody listening to this knows that and probably may say the same thing. But here, here's the question I have for both of you and Dewey. You can get it first is I don't understand. Help me understand from looking from afar how you have guys that are upperclassmen. I can live with freshman mistakes. Now, they need to make more shots, clearly. Um, but I help me understand – how it continues to happen from guys that have been in the program forever. That, that's the thing that's the, 
if there's a word for it, I haven't found it. Um, that is, I guess, frustrating to see is, you know, for long stretches, Leaky and even Garrison a lot just seem pretty disinterested at times, um, at least from the outside looking in. Tell me why I'm either right or wrong. No, you're right. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I think obviously Leaky does not have a lot of confidence right now. Um, I think you can tell that in his body language and his, his overall movement. He's always been kind of a, you know, a smoother, slower moving type of guy. You never watch him and say, oh my God, I mean, there's sweat flying off of that guy and he's giving you every ounce of everything he has, like other guys that we've talked about. He's always been kind of a cooler customer and that's been his approach, but I think he's really struggling confidence wise and it shows on the floor. He's hesitant when the ball is in his hands offensively. He's not confident shooting the ball from three, so they're playing six feet off of him, which makes it difficult to penetrate or create or anything. You know, he, he had that nice bucket uh, when he did slash to the rim and obviously the finishing transition, but he's, uh, he's just flat out struggling and it's affecting his overall performance um, on both ends. You know, overall, he still is a solid wing defender, but he made some mistakes tonight. Um, that as you're saying, a player in the program for the number of years and practices that he has been in are just inexcusable. I mean, he had a play where Daniels beat him on a direct drive. Um, and then he came down and bricked a left-handed layup. It was just a brutal stretch when they were making their run and you just kind of shake your head. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Mike. Let me alter the question a little bit. Talking about those two guys, how tough is it on young players in the system? Um, love R.J. Davis, Kessler, Sharp, all of them. Um, you expect them to have growing pains. Uh, I mean, they would have gotten their eyes open if this was not 2020 in, in PNC Arena with the environment they would have been in. But how much more difficult is it for young guys when the upperclassmen maybe aren't producing, performing, bringing the type energy that you would expect from guys that have been around, save for Playtech, because I thought Playtech, I think Playtech gets pretty much as much as he can out of what he's got, but speak to that for me. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Playtech obviously did some really nice things and made some big plays to kind of turn that uh, late first half around. But I think it's hard for the freshmen, to be quite honest with you. I mean, they're thrust into the limelight. They're thrust into being major, major contributors on a, a top two to three program all the time that has – it's coming off a tough year last year. So that makes it even more difficult. And there's a lot of pressure on them to succeed and to be do well individually and to kind of get us back to where everybody wants to be and where that we're expected to be. And, and like you said um, – like Dewey said, um, I don't know. I don't know with Leakey if he needs to, to play less, play a few more, fewer minutes and, and take some of that pressure off where he has to be a 30-minute-a-game guy and has to contribute X or Y or whatever and, and just be a, you know, a seven, eight-minute-a-game, uh, a half player and, and just really focus on being a phenomenal defender and a ball mover. And, you know, like, Le uh, like Dewey said, he, things are jammed up. Right looking to shoot from the outside I'm not sure we really want him to and um, so it, it crunches the floor for the bigs and it makes it really difficult spacing with the high-low action and whatnot and you know with the other two guards struggling to make some shots and being um, not extremely efficient offensively to have another guy out there that is struggling offensively as well and can't make outside shots it just really makes it difficult for us offensively to 
to to operate at a, at a level that uh you know that makes us very difficult to defend we're, we're pretty easy to defend right now to be quite honest with you in regards to the wings and especially if the freshman guards aren't making shots we're, we're a lot easier to defend look, look at the looking at the box score love three for 14 davis five for 14 brooks five for 14 um dewey armando baycott seven for nine uh, I, remember, I remember doing these post-game podcasts with you for years when we'd see a, a box score like this and uh, practically beg for the hot guy, a guy like Baycott, to get more shots. I mean, it seems like, you know, states without their best big man. I, I mentioned to Brooker before the podcast, it reminded me when Duke was without Boozer back in the early 2000s and everybody thought Carolina would wear them out inside. And no disrespect. Mike, but they wore y'all out in the Dean Dome by spreading the floor like State did. But Baycott was active early and only nine shots, Dewey. I mean, he I would was, think it, did he get hurt in the second half or something? He got popped in the face, it looked like. Yeah, I don't know if he got hurt and had to go get stitches or I don't, I didn't think he did anything that would warrant getting sat down for a stretch. So, I'd like to I'd like to learn if he had to go get stitches or something because he sat for a long period. I mean, Daron came in, Walker came in, and then Garrison came back in, and then Walker came in again uh, before Manu came back in at like the four or five or six minute mark, something like that. He he sat for a long stretch, so I wonder if there wasn't something that he was getting medically attended to because. He was playing great. His activity level was fantastic. He was really active around the rim, uh, finishing at the at the basket, and was was a key part of of when we cut it from seven to two in the second half. Mondo had a couple key buckets there, so I don't know. I'd like to know what happened um, on why he sat for such a long stretch. But um, look, I mean, we shot the ball terribly: thirty-one for seventy and two for twelve from three. Uh, it's just not going to get done. I mean, the things that we were happy about after the Kentucky game, as ugly as the game was, uh, was that we cut down on turnovers and just got more shots. And we got a ton of second chance points, especially in the second half. Well, you go back to turning the ball over 18 times, 18 turnovers against 15 assists, you know, and then you shoot the ball poorly. It's hard to win. I don't care who you play. And as imminently winnable as that game was, you know, we got to shoot it better. We got to take care of it better. And, we got to win the backboard. You know, we did one of those three things tonight. Yeah, that's one thing I mentioned when we were talking off air. I mean, if Carolina's going to only win the second chance points 17 to 15 against a team like NC State with no size at all, uh, they're probably going to struggle unless they light it up. And you're right, Carolina shoots 44%, 17% again from three-point range, while State shoots 47%. Uh, let's wrap this one up. Not a whole lot more to talk about. Mike, what do you want to see improvement in? What has to improve for Carolina to uh, have better success? Uh, I mean, give me, give me two points that have to get better um, to keep Carolina from having a long year in the ACC. I think uh, Dewey touched on, um, touched on a major one. is just taking care of the ball. I mean, you, I mean our bigs um, had 10, turn, 10 or 11 turnovers between the four of them, you know, I just think that's obviously entirely too many, um, you know, three or four of those were just offensive fouls where Brooks turns into the, you know, into the body and whatnot and, um, and charged them. Uh, but obviously that has to, to, to be drastically limited. Um, 
and I think the second major point for me, and, and, and you said it, and I agree totally about the guard play as far as the freshman guards. I mean, we're going to – it's going to be a roller coaster. They're extremely talented. But we have got to get more efficiency and, and more efficiency from love from the field and, and, and get those two guys kind of going together. I think there's some numbers that Adrian Atkinson's put out that I'm not so sure that our – guards and whatnot it looks like when they're on board together that it's not always the <laughs> the best combo even though I, I totally get why we have them on the floor together because they are most dynamic guards but uh we've got to find a way to get them both going at the same time and get them shooting the ball a little bit better and and, and handling it just a little bit better and you know, I think those are two you know key components that that have to continue to uh progress if, if we want to get to where we want to go as a program and as a team for this this season Dewey, wrap the show. Get your Roy Williams. Play Roy Williams right now and tell me what he's going to think about over the next few days uh, before Carolina, I guess, plays Georgia Tech after Clemson. And I think that Syracuse game is probably going to get canceled or something's going to get switched up. But what, what, what's Roy going to uh, – what's going to be on his mind in the next four or five days? That's an interesting question. So, I mean, we talked about this a lot on this podcast. He always blames himself. So he's going to be introspective and he's going to continue to search for why we're starting so slow. I think he probably feels like there's something in there perhaps he can control in terms of preparation or what he's saying or he'll search on that. I don't, you know, I don't think there's any, anything he can think about that, you know, that's going to make them make more shots. Uh, we're just shooting the ball terribly. You know, we've got to snap out of it and, you know, have one of those games where we make 10, 11, 12 threes and then get confidence from that. Um, but he'll be introspective. He'll blame himself in the locker room right now. And that's what he always does. Um, we need better out of Leakey and Garrison, our, our two under, uh, upperclassmen starters. I agree. Playtech's been great. And uh, the freshmen need to keep coming along. It, it's still only been eight games. It's, it's weird because we're already in the conference and, you know, it's ACC time, but it's still only been eight games in a bizarre year. You know, I just think if we're having this conversation in eight more games or 16 games in, I think we're going to be really much more pleased with where Caleb and RJ are. Um, and those guys have the ball in their hands so often that I look to them because the bigs are coming along. Walker was really good tonight. Dayron, he shows flashes every night of how active he is, and Baycott's been really good. Um, I expect better from Garrison and Leakey, and let's see, you know, game after game, let's see where we are. These freshmen are going to get it. They're too talented not to. Um, but, hey, nights like tonight are frustrating. I was throwing stuff and pissed watching you know, us cut it all the way to two and then have it go back to 13 where we just lost our heads. That's frustrating. That's a sign of a young team. Good stuff, Mike. Good stuff, Dewey. It's Carolina falling to NC State. We don't say that a lot. What, four times in the last 17 years, um, it seems like. So it takes a little get used to saying it that way. 79-76 over in Raleigh. Uh, Merry Christmas, fellas. Uh, you guys bring a ton to the Inside Carolina podcast. I wanted to let you know that I hope you and yours have a great Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Tommy. Thank you. Thank you. Same, same to you. Same to you and yours. Merry Christmas. Been listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. That's Michael Brooker, Dewey Burke. Johnny T-shirt is our sponsor. We'll be back again soon. Carolina Falls tonight. Georgia Tech after the holidays. Be safe, everyone. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. 
Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.